Okay, so here we are. I'm Bruce Ferber. I'm talking with Susan Silver, whose new book just came out. It's called Hot Pants in Hollywood, Sex, Secrets, and Sitcoms. And Susan and I, the two of us worked in the same business for probably a few decades, I'm guessing. You started, I guess, a little before I did. Um, well, I, I started in, with Mary Tyler Moore, uh, and I did it for 20 years, so I guess two decades. Yeah, and I did it for a little over 20 years straight, starting in 1980, so a bit after you started. Um, you know, and what struck me about reading your book was that, you know, we, we crossed so many of the same paths, but... Unlike you, uh, no celebrities or Hollywood stars asked me out on a date. <laughs> well, you know, I had I had this Z-like-like existence ever since high school and college. I went to UCLA with Jim Morrison of The Doors. Then I was in the movies uh, as an extra. And so I had a lot of interactions standing next to or closer to probably all the icons of our generation. It was kind of frightening. And then um, I did casting for Rowan and Martin's Laughing, and that was really the place where I said I, I met everybody from Tiny Tim to Richard Nixon. Now, by Tiny Tim, I don't mean the Charles Dickens one. I mean the sort of warlock one that was famous back then. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the other thing that struck me when I you know went through your book is that um, most people would probably not get this unless they were in the world of sitcoms, but you sort of intersected with three of the major kind of groups in comedy, in television comedy writing, and, you know, oftentimes people gravitate, you know, they come up through one group and that's the group they're in, but you uh, intersected with Gary Marshall, uh, Jim Brooks and Alan Burns from the Mary, Mary Tyler Moore Show, the whole MTM group, and then also you got to write for Norman Lear's company. So those were pretty much the three comedy kingpins at the time. That's true, and, and Gary always said he wanted to be recessed in the day of comedy, and Norman was a little more political and issue-oriented, and uh, Jim Brooks and Alan Burns, of course, were... Uh, they had done a lot of different things, but the Mary Show was their prime achievement. It was really about women at a time when we were emerging in the real world. And so, yeah, I I had a foot everywhere. That makes three feet. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> you know, this this was um, sort of interesting to me. In the book, you refer to Gary Marshall as your manager, and I didn't know Gary was a manager. Yeah, Gary believes in nepotism. His sister was Penny Marshall. Well, I know that. You know. His other sister was Ronnie Halen, who produced. His father uh, was uh, the executive producer, and he started a business for his father, essentially. It was called Compass Management, where he managed young writers, and Tony Marshall, his father, kind of was the overseer. So, Gary, um, I had met Iris Rayner Dark, who went on to write Beaches, who was my partner, and she was managed by Gary, and so um, that was our sort of introduction. We did a Love American style. Then she kind of took a break to have a baby, and Gary was kind of my manager, and I said, I can do this show, Mary Tyler Moore, just get me in there. And he said, well, you've never written anything alone. I said, oh, but I can do it. <laughs> and since I think he backed me, they saw me, and so as I, as I always say, it was starting on top. That's funny. You know, I, I met 
somebody, and I and I can't for the life of me remember the name of this person, but this was somebody who had produced one of Gary's movies and may have been the line producer and told me that there was a line item in every budget that they had, which basically said FOG, and FOG was Friends of Gary. Friends of Gary. So they, well, I was yeah. one of those. I was in yeah. New Year's Eve. I actually had a cameo, and and um, he had me play, I don't know why he chose me for this, but a very loud New York, and I'm a lovely Midwest person, loud New York person named Bunny Friedler, and I played with his grandson in the movie. I thought, oh, that'll be great. They'll never cut me out. And they had me ad-lib for a couple of minutes. I heard him laughing on the sidelines. And then when they cut the movie together, I was in for like a second. I said, what happened? And he said, the producers, or the, the studio said, we have 18 stars in there. Why are you giving this total stranger three minutes? So <laughs> if you look fast, you'll see me. That's funny. That is funny. Yeah, well, I, you know, I, I kind of start when I started, um, my first. What was your first show, Bruce? My first show, well, I, it's in the old days, as you remember, people gave out freelance scripts. And right. the first ones that I got for was for uh, Bosom Buddies with Tom Hanks and Peter Oh, Scolari. my gosh. Yeah, yeah so that was nice. Yeah, in the old days, we used to write our own scripts. We'd go in for meetings, and we'd pitch with them back and forth, and we'd go home and write. Now they do it in a room together, and maybe about 12 people are working. I see we avoided a, a strike. I'm so happy because it's difficult yeah, enough for, for writers. Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, the way it used to work is that you would write some freelance scripts, and if they liked you and they liked working with you, then they'd hire you on staff. You kind of, you know, oftentimes had to write your way on when you were starting out. And then once you got onto a staff, you would get hired from show to show and work your way up the ladder. Um, well, I never was someone who wanted that, though. You know, I needed to be a freelancer. I was married. I, I didn't. I, I kind of didn't want to work those crazy hours they did. So the best I would do is get a multiple of two or three scripts, and and I always which is impossible today. That you know that job yeah. does not exist anymore. Yeah. Um, and it was great to be able to have that as, you know, something that you could do. But obviously, you were good because they, you know, it it still was harder to get multiple deals. I mean, basically, if they were interested in you, they wanted you in the room with them, and the people who got the multiple script deals were writers that they trusted enough and felt good enough about that they could go and do their work and say, oh, yeah, we're going to get something back from Susan in, you know, in a week or 10 days or something like that, and we know it'll be in the ballpark. You know? And so there were a lot of people that they wouldn't trust with that. You know, the, the thing was... Um and I, I always say jokingly, I started on top of that first script that I did, which was about Mary having to be a bridesmaid for an old camp friend that she didn't particularly love. Um, they had the least bit of rewriting. And I thought, oh, wow, this is good. It's just the way I wrote it. And then you go to other places, and they would rewrite you, or they would say, this isn't what we had in mind. They'd give you a 10-minute story meeting. And, you know, that was crazy. I, I finally did a couple Bob Newharts, and then they asked me, to come on staff for the second Bob Newhart show. Right. And I went in and I, I took the job and I write about it in the book. That night I dreamt I was on an auto assembly line in Detroit and I woke up screaming. So I, the next day I said, I can't take this job. I can't, I, I, I can't, first of all, I don't like getting up in the morning or getting dressed and leaving the house and being somewhere. Being a writer means you can stay in your pajamas all day at home. I like that better. 
Well, you know, the kind of writer that I was, I was one of those guys in the trenches on the staffs and, you know, working my way up, you know, it's hard. ranch, ranch shows and, you know, did the, did the whole thing. And, you know, it was, it was a grind and there was a certain point when, you know, cause in the beginning you can't, not everybody can start on the Mary Tyler Moore show. So it took right. me a while before right. I got to write, you know, on really good stuff and, you know, quality shows. And, you know, when you're writing to make a living and you've got two little kids at home, uh, it, it just, it can become a real grind. And, you know, if you have the kind of star that likes to throw out scripts and keep you there till three in the morning, it's, it really can be absolute torture. Yeah, I, I must say I was very fortunate because I never wanted a staff job. I, I didn't need one. And as you said, you, you worked for my ex-husband, on Vernon Shirley. And funnily enough, he was a stockbroker, Arthur Silver, and he used to help me. I would pitch stories out loud to him and see if it was funny, and he would throw ideas in. And just when we separated, he decided he didn't want to be a stockbroker anymore. So I said to Gary, Arthur's really funny, you know, maybe you should hire him. I think he did one script, and he became a story editor, and he became producer of Laverne and Shirley, and and that was kind of an interesting way also. Um, You know, some people, and and Arthur was very laconic. He didn't talk much, so (laughs) I don't know. He he must have written funny because he didn't talk much. No, he was very witty and and dry, but, yeah, it was a tough, you know, all-nighters they pulled and, and stuff like that, and I just wasn't up for that, so I was very fortunate that I could be a freelancer, and then I started doing movies of the week my second year, and I started doing pilots my second year, so I never did episodes. And so I kind of, even now, I don't get reruns. I get a check for a dollar oh three because we had to strike for more than 10 reruns. Back in the day, we remember, we only got 10 reruns, and then they had a strike. And to give you in perpetuity. So I get these funny checks every once in a while that probably costs more to mail than they're worth. That's right. That's right. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's an unbelievably uh, fickle business. It's a business where you, you never know when you're not going to have a job because your show could be canceled. And, you know, I think we were lucky in the time that we came up because if you look at what's happening today and one of the, the the many issues that this strike would have addressed and a lot of these things are still not going to be covered but you know the fact that you have more product on the air but 10 episode seasons and a lot of these writers who sign on to these Netflix shows for 8 or 10 episodes they're they're signing an exclusive contract so they, at least the way it existed in our previous contract, so they can't get more work. So they're stuck with those 10 episodes. And if something else comes up in between, I mean, they can't take two shows. They can't leave one if they still have an option for the other one. And it's it's really, and the salaries are going down. It's a very strange media world now. Well, you know, um, in the book, um, Hot Pants in Hollywood, I talk about one of the things I talk about is reinventing yourself because I quit after the uh, strike that we had in, in 1989 and I wanted to do something totally different and I took about, which is very fortunate if I could do it, um, I took about six months meeting people and networking and finding out what I cared about and I found out that I was very interested in, in Holocaust-related things so I did kind of a 180-degree turn Gary said I was the original hyphenate. I was a sitcom writer slash Nazi hunter. 
because I went to work for the Anti-Defamation League, and then I was the UN Observer for the Simon Wiesenthal Center, and now I'm, I'm very involved with Israel. So I think one of the things you have to do, since we're living longer, and we want to find things that we have passion about, are keep reinventing yourself. So that's one of the themes of the book that I hope inspires women and men, but mostly women who maybe aren't sure what their goals are, but to know that you can change them as you evolve. Well, you know, and also in this particular business, you have to, you know, I mean, either somebody's going to say goodbye, either the, you're going to say goodbye to the business or it's going to say goodbye to you. And if, if you're lucky, you know, both of these things happen at the same, you know, at the right time. You're ready when they're ready. It, it usually doesn't work that way. No, but a lot of people, it probably never works that way. <laughs> for me, it kind of worked that way, you know, and, and I'm not... You know, and I could still see myself dipping my toe back in for the right thing. I still get calls to do the kinds of shows that I won't do, um, like they call me to do the Disney Channel shows. The Disney uh-huh. Channel has become the retirement home for people who oh, used to work true? for Gary Marshall. Yes. Oh so my God! See, I live in New York now, so I'm so away from that world that I don't, I don't really know. Yeah, there were people who did all those multiple camera comedies that were not considered, like, and I'm not even, I'm thinking of things like Family Matters, things that were not considered the highest level of of comedy. But then Disney Channel came along and decided that when everybody else stopped doing these kinds of shows, they wanted to do them for kids. So um, what they did was they hired all these people who did these things and had experience, so all those people were able to work on these Disney Channel shows, which, you know, was great if that's what you want to do. And I didn't want to do that, so I started writing novels. And that's I wrote a whole two. other thing, yeah. yeah. How many did you write? Uh, I wrote two. I wrote wow. two. I'm working on third. I'm doing, um, putting together a nonfiction anthology now. Um, so, you know, I completely... It, it's it's about Hollywood, actually. It's, it's about oh. Hollywood... And it's it's kind of it started with listening to friends and tell their stories, and you know just as yours is your memoir, my book will be composed of many memoirs of all from all these different people. Uh, Can I be in your jobs. book? Can I What's be in that? your book? May I be <laughs> in your book? <laughs> I, I, I have. I will. I will uh, look at my list. I have a lot of writers and a lot of comedy writers because that's where I came from. So it, it's a little crowded in that in that area, but I will let you know for sure. Um, but the other thing I'm doing in this book is that I'm interviewing all the below the line people, or as many as as will have me. And it will that part of the book will be kind of like the Studs Turkle book working where, you know, we ah. get into the heads of the people who don't usually get to talk about what they do. And that's been you really know, interesting. I- in my role as Zerig, I, I knew Stubbs Turco. When I worked at the Anti-Defamation League, I used to do um, seminars, and I did something with Anita Hill, and I did something with Stubbs Turco, and he was a fabulous person. He was just so oh my God. warm I mean, and, and yeah. wonderful. Yeah, he was a great guy. For yeah, those younger yeah. people, Google him. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. So, um, you know, I, I, I saw in your book that you, did you go on a date with Lenny Bruce? Yeah, Lenny Bruce has his own chapter in my book, and strangely enough, they just did a 50th anniversary of his 
of his uh, life, and they, his daughter donated his papers to Brandeis. And I thought, oh, I'd love to go to that. And when I inquired about it, I said I knew him. They said, oh, would you like to speak? So there I was at this kind of First Amendment, very, you know, impressive thing, discussing how his mother fixed me up with him when I was in college. So that was a weird experience. But, yeah, I kind of worshipped him when I went to a party in college, and his mother, who had been a stripper, was there. And she said, oh, I want you to meet my son. I said, who's your son? She said, Lenny Bruce. I said, you're kidding. She said, no, I'm going to call him. He'll come to the party. I thought, why doesn't Lenny Bruce have something better to do on New Year's Eve? But he came, and we hit it off, and he asked me out. And if you read the book, you'll find out what happened. All right. Well, Lenny Bruce was my entire reason for getting into comedy. And oh, my gosh. I, I, I thought that he, I, I sort of discovered his albums when I was in high school. And I just thought he was the funniest, most sophisticated. It, it, the, the comedy just transcended anything at the time. And, and I was still, not, if you I mean, want to know the truth. Yeah, uh, no, his stuff holds up. I was not particularly into sitcoms. Um, when I got into sitcoms, they were more like, you know, all in the family, which I could sort of relate to being a New Yorker. And... Uh, to me, when I watch Mary Tyler Moore, which is known as one of the best sitcoms of all time, then and now, I'm always aware that I'm watching a sitcom, which is not to say that it's bad or, you know, it's obviously well-written and everything, but to me, there it, it was always an, an artifice to me. And, and to a you know, young single woman, it must have been different. But to me, having just grown up and loved the comedy of Lenny Bruce... It just it didn't interest me at all. Whereas the grittier stuff and that Archie Bunker character did speak to me. Well, I think, you know, everybody has their own taste. And, and the thing about Lenny was he didn't really do jokes. He did truths. And he was talking about important things. And certain people today do the same. And um, then you have, you know, more lighthearted things. I, I kind of appreciate all different kinds of comedy. And I've, over the years... Uh, enjoy different kinds of shows. I think Veep Today is a brilliant satire, unfortunately too real about what's happening in the world of politics today, and I think we can always find something that, that you relate to and, and hopefully that you could, if you wanted to, work on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, I guess that's how long we've been at this. Since 22 minutes. 22 minutes, that's pretty good. Anything else you'd like to talk about in terms of your book? or? Well, um, I I would love to, people to think about buying it for Mother's Day because, strangely enough, um, as a baby boomer, I kind of, as I say, I've had like this baby boomer life on steroids, but I think a lot of mothers who grew up with Mary Tyler Moore and their daughters who watched it on reruns would have a lot of fun reading it, and I, I think it's a perfect Mother's Day gift to plug the, to plug the book. That's what I would say. Okay, and thank you plug very the much. books. Tell everybody the name of the book again. The name of the book is Hot Pants in Hollywood, Sex, Secrets, and Sitcoms, in, in any order of which you are interested. There you go. And... Uh... I've been talking with Susan Silver. I'm Bruce Ferber, and I'm the author of Elevating Overman and Cascade Falls. And you can check so them out as well. We're going to do a book event together. We're going to yes, do a book event in June. Should we tell them when? June. Yes, 4th. you have the date. June fourth. Four o'clock at Diesel Bookstore in Brentwood. Please come. Fantastic. 
Well, thank you, Susan. Great talking to you. Thank you, Bruce. Take care.